Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillah ve salatu vesselam ala Resulillah ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve men ve As we continue our journey in studying Book 8 of the Ahilum al-Din, the book on the etiquettes of recitation of the Qur'an, with the intention of strengthening our relationship with his book, subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have now reached the third internal act, inner act, inner etiquette that Hujjid al-Islam Imam Ghazali wants us to know. And just to briefly recap the first two. The first inner act is for us to exalt the Qur'an and to realize that it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And closely related to that is the ta'lim, the exaltation that we have in our heart for Allah, the mutakallam, the one who is speaking to us subhanahu wa ta'ala. And all of these other etiquettes will build upon these first two. This is the foundation. So we want to get in the habit of when we start reciting Allah Ta'ala's book or when we're listening to his book subhanahu wa ta'ala is that just before we start reciting we bring to heart this is the kalam of Allah and we have ta'zim in our heart for the Quran we have ta'zim in our heart for our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is one of the great aspects of our deen our deen teaches us to have ta'zim ma'azzamallah what Allah Ta'ala has deemed to be great, we have ta'zim in our heart for that. We exalt that. What Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala has belittled and what Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala has not deemed to be great, that's not reflected in our heart. If Allah Ta'ala has not deemed something to be great like this world in which we live, it's not something that you and I should have ta'zim for and exalt. And so we want to exalt what Allah Ta'ala has exalted and we want to belittle what He has belittled, subhanahu wa ta'ala. This third etiquette, al-thadith, is hudul al-qalb. It's about maintaining presence of heart. Hadara, yahduru in the Arabic language is to be present. And hudur means presence. And if you look at the linguistic meaning of this word, someone is there with you, but then they're no longer there. So when they're no longer there, the what takes place when you're with that person can no longer happen because they're not present there with you. And just as someone could be physically present, but their mind is in a totally different valley. They're thinking about something else. And we've all experienced that when we're with other people. And you're sitting the next to them, you aren't even talking to them, and they're somewhere else. Are you there with me? Can you hear me? And then they kind of come back. Like, where were you? And we joke with them at times and so forth. And this is the nature of the human being. Is that we are where our heart is. And if our heart is preoccupied with something else, mentally we might be in that place. Our thoughts might be drawn towards that place or that person or that thing. And this is why there's different degrees. And the very best degree of all is where the outward and the inward is combined. So you're physically pleasant, present where Allah Ta'ala wants you to be. Whether it be prayer or whether it be in gatherings of goodness 
whatever it might be. You're physically present if you're able to do so. And you're also present with your heart. You're internally present. You are present in relation to your bringing to heart the meanings that should be brought to heart in relation to that particular gathering. So if it's a gathering of knowledge, you're focusing intently on what is being said, seeing, trying to understand that knowledge, seeing how it applies to your own self, making intention to put it into practice, and so forth. If it is recitation of the Qur'an, you are present with those meanings that are being recited to you. And so that's the highest degree of all. And then there, the second degree is actually to not physically be present, but to have your heart be present. And what a blessing you and I have that you and I can imagine to be in the very best of places, even if those places physically are distant from where it is that we are. You and I can imagine right now that we're making tawaf around the Kaaba. You and I can imagine right now that we enter into Medina Munawwara and then we pray to Raka'as in the Masjid of the Prophet ﷺ in the Rawda and then we go in front of the Muwajah Sharifa and we send salams to him ﷺ. You and I can imagine that we're in places of learning that we're with special people. This is the, an amazing gift that Allah Ta'ala has given us. The power of imagination. And just as you and I can imagine being in gatherings of knowledge, we can be, imagine being in gatherings of the righteous. And this is something that we can intend as well. Let's all make the intention to be present in all of the gatherings and knowledge wherever they're taking place on the face of this earth. Let's make an intention to be in the presence of all of the righteous people wherever they might be on the face of this earth. And inshallah, if we do what we can outwardly, Allah is the most generous of all of those who show generosity. He is the most merciful of all of those who show mercy. He will give us according to our attention. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so this is the second degree. And it's actually a higher degree to not physically be present, but to have your heart be present than for the third degree, which is the person who's physically present, but their heart is somewhere else. Their mind is somewhere else. They're thinking about other things. They're not concentrating. And some even wish that they might not even be there. They wish for it to end and so forth and so on. There's degrees after, of course. And there are people that can go back and forth between being present and being heedless. But this is the third of degrees. And from the mercy of Allah Ta'ala, when it comes to majalis, gatherings of different sorts, knowledge, the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, even the person who didn't come for a good intention, with the right intention, even they will receive mercy. Because when people come to sit for His sake, and to learn for His sake, and to remember for His sake, there's a blessing that encompasses everybody who's there. Even the one that came for some other need, and didn't even really intend to be there. There are people, لا يشقى بهم جليسهم. They will never be miserable. If you sit with, the, you'll never be miserable if you sit with the right people. You'll never be wretched. You'll never be damned. And this is why you and I should want to sit with the muflihin, with the people of success. And as people who came before us used to say, anyone who wants success has to see someone who has already succeeded. Success comes from being in the presence of and seeing people who have succeeded. And this is a Quranic command. 
O you who believe, yet you have taqwa of Allah. Be mindful of Him. And be with the people of truth. Because when you're with them, spiritual osmosis, you start to be like them. And even if you're not like them, and even if you don't even make the right intention, yet you still benefit. So we want to be from those though who are physically present, but also we have presence of heart and presence of mind. And this is what Hujjat al-Islam is going to discuss in this etiquette. Hudur al-Qalb. And so he adds another part to this chapter heading as in that he previously didn't mention when he was listing them in the first part of this section. وَتَرْكُوا hadithin nafs And refraining from letting one's inner speech get the best of them. So you can overcome, overcoming your inner speech. So having presence of heart, maintaining presence of heart, and overcoming inner speech. So he begins by saying, قِيلَ فِي التفسير. It is said, is an opinion, that one of the meanings of the verse, يَا يَحْيَا خُذُ الْكِتَابَ بِقُوَّةِ Oh Yahya, take the book, خُذُ الْكِتَابَ Take the book بِقُوَّةِ Strongly, with strength. أَيْ بِجِدًّا وَجْتِهَاد One of the meanings of that is, بِقُوَّةِ With seriousness and with hard work. When you take the book and, and all of the meanings of taking it, you do so in a serious fashion and with hard work. And the amazing thing about the righteous people that the sinful soul has been blessed to see and have been blessed to be around, they are the most serious of people, yet they're the most gentle. They're the most serious of people, yet they're the most gentle. And this is something that you and I must bring into our lives. Seriousness. And yes, it's good to be lighthearted at certain times. It's good to be um, easygoing when you're with people. But all of that has to be, what has to underlie all of that is a seriousness. That this matter is of the utmost importance. This matter is real. You and I are going to die. We're going to meet our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the more that we really reflect upon the hadham and that, the ender of all pleasures, death, the more we'll realize how we really need to be serious here on earth. But it doesn't mean that we walk around frowning because this is the amazing thing. The awliya are the most gentle and the most merciful and you tend to find them smiling more than anyone else despite the fact that they're serious. And... They know exactly what it is that they're doing in their different states. So one, one of the meanings of this verse, when we hear that verse recited, it should inspire us to be serious in our deen, in our approach to learning the Qur'an, establishing a relationship with it, and have ijtihad work hard towards that. Because we have to work hard with our relationship with the Qur'an. Quranic Arabic is not something that you can take a six-month course and then all of a sudden understand what's in the Quran. Yes, you can start understanding what's in the Quran. But every year of your life, you have to increase in understanding. The Quran, you're going to study for a lifetime. 
and then you're still going to be only know a tiny portion of its meanings. But everything we're permitted to know is great, and it's a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why one of the Imams, Imam Aydurus bin Omar al Habshi, uh, one of the great Imams of Hadramaut, he used to say that the nuzul of the Quran in Qatar, the descent of the Quran being revealed, has ceased. That ceased obviously with the return of the Prophet to the Most High. But the tanazzul, Allah Ta'ala inspiring his righteous servants with meanings and understandings in his book remains. And that has extended beyond the time of the Prophet and will remain until Allah Ta'ala lifts the Qur'an from earth. And there are people who have renewed understandings, who have new understandings of Allah Ta'ala's book. And the same Imam, who was known to have such a great relationship with the Qur'an, especially in Ramadan, he used to say, every year Allah gives me new understandings in His book. Every year I understand more, and I understand more, and I understand more. And this is the way that we want it to be. We want to, every year that passes, increase wherever we are. Don't let yourself get overwhelmed, because it could get overwhelming. Learn a little bit, little by little, little by little, little by little. Increase your knowledge of His book, and there's many ways that we can do that. So that's one of the meanings of that verse. So Imam Uzayi is going to explain one of the meanings of taking the Quran with jid, with seriousness, is what? And yukun mutajarridan lahu qira'atihi. Is that you are freed up from anything that will prevent you from reflecting upon its meanings and being present with it when you are reciting it. Focusing your aspiration on it and not being distracted by anything else. And this is why we really shouldn't have Quran on when we're having conversations at iftar time. That Quran, we cannot treat it like background music. Background music is something that People have playing in the background while they do work and while they do other things. No, when Quran is not, we cannot treat it like that. That's bad adab with Allah's book. The Quran should not be playing in the background. When the Quran is playing, we should be listening carefully and remain silent. We should not be speaking. And if no one else is present and you have, for instance, Quran praying while you're cooking, that's one thing. As long as you can concentrate on the meanings. But you don't want to speak over the Quran or have it just plain in the background. When the Qur'an is being recited, we should be devoting ourselves entirely to it. And ideally, we should free ourselves up so that we're not looking at our phone, we're not having other conversations, we're focusing on its recitation. And we should try to find a time where we're not distracted to recite Allah Taala's book. If there's a time that we know our kids are going to be coming in and out or people are going to need us to ask us questions or to text us or something, we should try to find a better time to read his book, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, munsaraf al-himma, beautiful way of stating it. We just completely direct our aspiration towards it. And then he gives us an anecdote. وَقِيلَ لِبَعْضِهِمْ One of them was asked, one of the righteous, إِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنَ تُحَدِّثُ نَفْسَكْ بِشَيْءٍ When you recite the Qur'an, do, does yourself speak to you? Literally, i.e., does your inner speech distract you? فَقَالْ 
Is there anything that's more beloved to me than the Qur'an such that myself would speak to me about it? La ilaha illallah. And this tells us about something very important about the psychology of the human being. We have what is called hadith and nafs in our speech. And your nafs is you. Your nafs speaks to you. Our nafs, our own selves speak to us all the time, all throughout the day. What is our inner self speaking about? What does our inner self desire? What is it enmeshed and entangled with? How pure is it? What are those things that are saying? Are those is are those those words and the the speeches and all of the things that it says to us, how pure are they? If we'd put it out on a plate, if we would voice it, what would people think? What would people say? We should be embarrassed to claim any level of piety. That anything that comes to our heart, any speech that we speak to ourselves with, would be against the sacred law or that other people would wonder why it is that we have that in our heart. And Allah knows everything. This is why we can't fool ourselves. We don't want to have false piety. Let's just all admit that we all need working on. And let's thank Allah that He's veiled us and is not going to take us to account unless it moves from here to here. But once that word moves from here and it's gone, it's gone. And sometimes we can repair that, other times we can't. As long as it's here and as long as it hasn't come out and we're not comfortable if it's not something that's good, it's an atonement for it. But the purity of our inner speech ultimately is a sign of the purity of our hearts. And the only way to move towards purity of inner speech and purity of heart is to struggle and to work on yourself. This is the jihad al-akbar. This is the greatest jihad of all. Because you are stuck with your own self. You can't separate yourself. Yourself is you. And you have to do this in a way where you don't get tied out in the first round. And no matter how many times you get beat down, no matter how many times you get pinned to the ground, no matter how many moves your nafs does on you and gets you in chokeholds and you're about to submit, don't submit. Keep learning. Keep coming back. Take a little bit of rest. Go back to the war with your own self. And nothing is more and more important for us to do than to wage war against our own selves. The nafs, your ego, will ruin everything. It will ruin your life and it will ruin your afterlife, your worldly life, and your hereafter. And it will ruin everything else. It will ruin a family. It will ruin a community. It will ruin a company. It will ruin everything. The nafs can ruin everything. Think about how many wars have been fought because of egos of individuals. How many people have been dragged into war and fought wars of other people because of the egos of individuals. Just think about that. The ego is akhbath min sab'ina shaitana. The ego, your nafs, is worse 
more vile than 70 shaitans, than 70 demons. And we all know that we need working on, but we have to then collectively help one another to work on our own selves. And if you want to establish a relationship, you think you can get married without being aware of your own nafs? You think that you can have a family without, without working on your own nafs? Think you can have a community or an organization or anything? The nafs will ruin everything. But as long as we're committed to mujahadat al-nafs, waging war against our own selves, and blaming our own selves, remaining introspective, seeing what, what it is that you and I could do better, not blaming other people, blaming our own selves. If we can be committed to that, we'll be successful. And when we make mistakes, we have to admit it. We have to admit it. And we have to rectify the situation. And just as it's a mistake for someone to act upon his nafs and to not apologize, it's also a mistake for someone who does apologize for someone else not to accept their apology. That's serious. When someone's sincere in apologizing to you to not accept their apology is serious. And the fear there is is that the same thing is going to happen to you in the dunya, in this world, and then Yom Al-Qiyam when you return back to Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala. This is why these books are so important. Because Imam Al-Zai speaks about the most important things that you and I need to attain salvation in the next world. To meet our Lord Tabarak wa Ta'ala in a good state. So this righteous man, and he's teaching us a lesson here. And even if we're not there yet, the purpose of this is not to be like, oh, that's a lofty station, I can't attain that, why am I reading this? It's a ridiculous assertion. We're learning this for a reason. When he says here, this righteous one was asked, is that, does yourself speak to you when you recite the book? He says, anything more beloved to me than the Qur'an, such that myself would speak to me? In other words, your inner speech stems from what it is that you love. Your inner speech stems from what it is that you love. So it shows the importance of love in this whole matter. It shows the importance of love. And this is why we have to focus on love, not in some goofy, Sufi way that people think. And like, it's just all about love. No, in a very real way. We have to focus on love. This is why, this is what our teachers teach. The environments that they create, this is why they interact with you in the way that they do. Because nothing motivates us more than love. And if you, you can love Allah and His Messenger in, without fully being in a state of obedience and fully following the Prophet ﷺ, the kamal of mahabba, the perfection of love comes from following. But you can absolutely have love for Allah and His Messenger. And then you work on yourself. And that love drives you to work on yourself. So that slowly you do better and better. And you work on yourself until you actually become pure. And then there's degrees of purity that come after that. But your inner speech stems from what it is that you love. So if we can love the Qur'an, this is why we have sessions like Ustad Amzad's session, where we learn about the virtues of the Qur'an. Because once you learn about the virtues of something, you come to love it. And once you love the Qur'an, in here, deep love, where you find 
intense intimacy when you recite its meanings. Then how could yourself even intimate anything else internally when you have such a degree of intimacy with Allah Ta'ala's words? And he's going to minister an example of if there's someone you really love, are you thinking about other people when you're with the one that you really love? If there's something you really like to do, are you thinking about other things that you want to do when you're doing the thing that you love most? Whatever it is. So in other words, the secret to overcoming our inner speech is coming to love Allah and His Messenger and the afterlife in good, in deen, in beauty, in light, and so forth and so on. And once that comes to dominate the heart, everything else comes easy. And more could be said about that. وَكَانَ بَعْضَ salaf. إِذَا قَرَأْ صُورَةً لَمْ يَكُنْ قَلْبُ فِيهَا حَاضِرًا أَعَادَهَا ثَانِيًا So some of the righteous, if they would recite a chapter of the Qur'an and were they to realize that their heart wasn't present, they would recite the chapter a second time. وَهَادِيَ سِيفَةُ تَتَّوَلَّدُ عَمَّا قَبْلَهَا مِنَ الْتَعْظِيمِ This trait, i.e., being present when we recite Allah's book, overcoming our inner speech, comes after someone has the exaltation in their heart that was mentioned. And so the two most important things is ta'zim and muhabba. Ta'zim is a difficult word to uh, translate. I translate it usually as exaltation, exalting the Qur'an. Perhaps we don't know what that means. But it stems from a verse in the Quran, Woman you alzam Allah. Whoever exalts the sacred symbols of Allah, it is from piety of the hearts. So it's Alzama you alzimu is to respect something, it's to magnify it, it is to recognize that it's great and to exalt it. And so we can only truly be present with the Qur'an if we realize the greatness of the Qur'an and realize the greatness of our Lord. Then we'll be present with His book, subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَإِنَّ الْمُعَظْلِمْ لِلْكَلَامِ الَّذِي يَطْلُوهُ يَسْتَبْشِرُ بِهِ وَيَسْتَأْنِسُ بِهِ وَيَسْتَأْنِسُ وَلَا يَغْفُلُ عَنْهُ Because the one who exalts the Qur'an, the kalam, the eternal speech of Allah that he is reciting, and finds great joy in it, and finds intimacy in it, is not going to be in a state of heedlessness. You will find in the Qur'an that which the heart finds great intimacy in. And once you taste the sweetness, this is the word he uses, yastetness, uns, is intimacy. And that intimacy is with the meaning of what it is that we are reciting. You find intimacy in it because you realize it fulfills you at a level that nothing else can fulfill you. At the deepest level of your existence, this is what you were created to do. This is why you were gifted a tongue and an aql and an intellect and a heart in the first place. By doing this, there's, there's no greater way to show gratitude to Allah 
because by reflecting on his book and reciting it, you are showing gratitude because this is what these limbs were created for. Nothing fulfills you more than this. And if we still don't know what that means, it's too obscure, we find ourselves distanced from it, don't give up. Strive. Strive. And struggle with yourself. And make an intention to want to know. And don't listen to anyone else that thinks that this is too difficult for you to attain. Asaki Baki, Allah can give you what He wants to give you, how He wants to give you, when He wants to give you. Yes, even 1400 years after the time of our Prophet ﷺ, there will still be muqarrabin and sabiqin in this time. There will still be, even though there are few in the later times. They're not a multitude like the times that came before us. But there still will be the foremost and those who are close to Allah, even in our times. Why do we present, prevent ourselves? It's not about you and I. It's not even about our effort. And yes, we should still put in effort. The greatest advice that anyone can give you is to turn to Allah. Turn to Allah in all of your states, with all of your problems, with all of your issues, with all of your struggles, with all of your frustrations, with everything that bothers you, with everything that you just can't stop doing with everything that is that you want to do. The elixir of all elixirs, the secret of all secrets, the foundation of all foundations is to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there's no better time than right now in this blessed month of Ramadan and a time of mercy and forgiveness and being released from the fire and all of the means of releasing. And as long as our spirit is shackled by our nafs, we won't truly know what it means to be human. As long as our spirits are shackled by our nafs, we won't truly know what it means to be human. And this is why we have to work on ourselves. We can't blame anyone now. If you blame anyone now, you should really only be blaming your own self. If you get angry now, blame your own self. If you get bothered by things now, blame your own self. If your heart is still inclining towards evil and you have bad thoughts, blame your own self. The shayateen are locked up. And of course there's different meanings there, but the, in, in general the shayateen are locked up. It's your nafs. And if it's still inclines towards evil, one of the explanations is it's because you've gotten yourself so used to following the waswasa of shaytan that it's just who you are. You're left with yourself right now. And so Ramadan is a madrasa that teaches us to confront our nafs. In order to do so, you have to be courageous. But if we cower away and let our nafs get the best of it, we will lose in this world and in the next world. So he says here, فَفِي الْقُرْآنِ مَا بِهِ الْقَلْبِ but you will find in the Qur'an that which the heart finds intimacy in. In kanatali ahlan lahu. If the one reciting is worthy of it, he's done his job to recite how it is that he should recite, to reflect how it is that he should reflect. فَكَيْفَ يَطْلُبُ الْأُنْسِ بِالْفِكْرِ فِي غَيْرِهِ وَهُوَ مُتَنَزَّحٍ وَمُتَفَرَّجٍ He said, is that how could someone have thoughts other than what he's reciting come to heart when he is in a beautiful garden 
when he's in the very best of all, he's, he's, what he's experienced is the very best thing of all. How could you do so? And he goes into mention a metaphor for us. And just again, imagine if you're in the most beautiful garden. You're in one of the most beautiful places that you've ever seen in your life. And you're just walking around and just marveling at all of the different flowers, at all of the different blossoms, all of the different colors. It's a beautiful day. The temperature is just right and so forth and so on. Are you going to be thinking about being in some cubicle somewhere? If you're experiencing intense beauty, if you're tasting food that is extremely delicious, are you going to think about the meals that didn't suit your taste buds previously? If you're with people that you love, are you really going to be thinking about the bad interactions you've had with other people? I'm not talking about conditions of trauma, but in general, no. And this is his whole point. For in order for our heart to be present, we have to know and understand the asal of the kalam, the origin of the speech and the speaker who is speaking to us, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and have ta'zeem for his book, and have ta'zeem for him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, so that the heart will then be present. And when the heart is present, that means our inner speech is not dragging us into other things. And just as I say this, tonight, when we stand up to pray, we'll find that our inner speech drags us to think about different things. And we're in the middle of tarawih, and who knows what we're thinking about. In the middle of tarawih, bring your heart back. Make your heart present. And if you don't know Arabic, still stand in prayer. And if you want to repeat dhikr in your heart over and over again, just repeating La ilaha illallah or repeating the dhikr in your heart over and over again, something to keep your mind present, bringing to heart that Allah Ta'ala sees you at all times and so forth and so on, that is legitimate if you don't understand all the details of what is being recited. But keep your heart present and use it as a time to work upon yourself internally and if you would just be in a state of vigilance, i.e. muraqaba, while you're in tarawih, and bring to heart that you're reciting the kalam of Allah or listening to the kalam of Allah. And Allah is addressing you. That in of itself is enough, even if someone be reciting for two hours. Fixate your mind on that. Don't let your heart stray about anything else if you can't understand the individual meanings. And fixate your mind on that. And the beauty, as our teachers have told us, if you do that with ta'lim in your heart for the Qur'an, Allah will inspire you with means of the Qur'an that the person adept in the Arabic language will not understand. And it will change you at the core of your being because it is not a prerequisite to be impacted or transformed by the Qur'an that you understand all of its meanings. Yes, we should learn outwardly as I mentioned, but just hearing Allah's book be recited changes you at the depth of your being. May Allah ta'ala Bless us to implement these etiquettes and these internal acts and to bring our hearts to life with them. And may you and I all be have hudur and be present when his book is being recited, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And may we be given tawfiq to overcome our inner speech 
and that may the Quran become so beloved to us and our Lord and the Prophet become so beloved to us when we are reciting his book nothing else comes to heart that when we are mentioning his name nothing else comes to heart when we're sending salawat upon him then nothing else comes to heart may Allah Ta'ala make our hearts to be from the very best of hearts and despite the time in which we live in where so many people have turned away from so much beauty and turned towards so much ugliness May Allah Ta'ala revive this in our hearts. And may Allah Ta'ala bless us to put this into practice from the blessings of this blessed book and the blessings of this blessed author and from the blessings of this blessed month. Bi khayr wa fa'afiyah wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ala alihi wa sallam wa alhamdulillahi wa alayhi wa sallam